0: All right, we're in verse eleven, and John says, "And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war." Now here a door is open in heaven. We've seen one open before in chapter four, and uh, Revelation four, verse one. James is going to read this for us, where John sees uh, he the the church age is over. Uh, the, the letters to the seven churches and now John is going to
1: hear a voice and uh... Revelation 4-1 <clears throat> after this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me which said come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter
0: alright so when John gets up there, guess what he sees? He sees the throne of God, and he sees a group of people there, uh, 24 elders, and they represent the church. And I've got a video on that on YouTube, if, uh, so I'm not going to re, uh, reiterate that. Now, there's a white horse rider. Now, we've seen a white horse before, haven't we, in uh, in Revelation chapter 6. Now, is this the same guy as in chapter 6? Uh, is is that the same Writer. And I'm going to suggest to you, uh, unequivocally, I'm going to say, no, they not the same guy. Um, James, would you read Revelation 6, 2? It's right off the board there.
1: Revelation 6, 2. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown, was made unto him. And he went forth conquering, and to conquer
0: Okay, so this right, this, the only thing they've got in common, Jesus and this guy, is that they, they're riding a white horse. That's where the similarities end. Uh, this guy, uh, he's on a white horse, but he's, had, he's got a bow. Now, Christ has got a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. This guy only has a bow, and he goes forth to, uh, uh, there's no arrow, and the bow is often a symbol of a covenant. If you remember in the, uh, Noah, with the covenant was the bow in the sky. And I believe the Antichrist is going to make this covenant that's going to bring a pseudo-peace. And I'll talk more about that. That's very relevant to our times. Um, But he's got a crown. And the crown here in the Greek is a Stephanus crown. It's an overcomer's crown. It's a conqueror's crown. And so the Antichrist begins his campaign as a, uh, a conqueror. He's going to conquer And, uh, but he, but Christ has uh, many crowns and he has their diadems. Um, But this crown was given unto him. Uh, Christ uh, doesn't have a crown given to him. He's royal by virtue of who he is. But that crown is given and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And if you'll, if you'll just flip back to Revelation 6 real quick, I want to show you uh, why this can't be Jesus just, just quickly. We'll, We'll come right back to it. But it's amazing, uh, there's several well-known commentators that I respect that say that Revelation 6, 1 is Christ, and I don't I don't see how they get that, but uh, Revelation 6, notice verse 1,
1: <clears throat> James, you want to read that? <clears throat> yes. Revelation 6, verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard as if it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see. Okay, so who's opening the seals?
0: The Lamb is, right? And when he opens the seal, uh, verse 2, the white horse rider comes forth. Okay, well, if that's Jesus, then he's opening the seal, he's riding off on a white horse, and then he comes back to verse 3. James, would you read that?
1: (laughs) And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. Okay, uh, go ahead and read verse 4 too. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword.
0: Okay, so if this is Christ, and he's rode off on the white horse, then he came back and opened the second seal and sent out the red horse. That doesn't make sense, does it? Also, we see that in verse 4, notice peace is taken from the earth. So that means the first, the first rider brought some kind of peace. Uh, when Christ brings his government of peace, there will be no end, okay? There will be no more war. So are we clear on that? Clear as mud? Okay, let's go back to Revelation 19. And it says in Revelation 19, verse 10, that the one who rides on the white horse, that his name is faithful and true. Wow. Wow. God is faithful. Now, this is in contrast, of course, to the Antichrist, who is a counterfeit. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. Now, you may you may have figured this out already. I hope you have. If you live long enough, more than a, a week or two, people will disappoint you, won't they? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I hate to admit it, but your pastor will disappoint you. You know. Thank you for not saying Amen there, but. I'll disappoint not willingly you know guess what I've had preachers that disappointed me too um if you if you stay in church long enough somebody's going to disappoint you and here's a newsflash I know this is going to shock some of you you have disappointed somebody in your life maybe right now you're a disappointment to somebody I don't know but here's the great here's the great news God will never disappoint you because he's faithful and he's true he never changes and God doesn't change His mind about you and me. Even after we're saved, God doesn't change His mind about you and me. Uh, James, would you read those scriptures I've got on the, the board there? One's from Hebrews ten
1: twenty three, and the other's 1 John 1, 9. Hebrews ten twenty three: Let us hold fast with the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: I just want to camp out here for a minute. I just I just do. I just want to camp out here for a minute. When you fail, and you will, uh, and when we fail, and we will, the devil is going to come to you and say, God, God's changed his mind about you. It's all over. Whatever plans God had for you, they're done for. And you need to stand on the Word of God and say, my God is faithful. And He said, if I confess my sin to Him, that He's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You know, God doesn't want to remember your sins. I think it's in Isaiah. uh, Somebody brought it out at our men's meeting a few Saturdays ago. God says, I forget your uh, sins for my own sake. God doesn't want to remember your sins. He doesn't want to hold things against you. Now, the devil does, but God doesn't hold things against you. And he's faithful and true. You can count on him. You can count on God. All right. We're back to verse 11 again in Revelation 19. It says, In righteousness he does judge and make war. And he's the only one who ever can truly say that. Um, There have been other wars, and we would call them just wars, of course. But not always do we have... Pure motives in everything that we do, amen? But God has pure motives in everything he does. In righteousness, he does judge and make war. You know, we can have all the social justice campaigns. I mean, you, you see this ad campaign that they keep putting on the football games. He gets us, and they portray Jesus as a social justice warrior. He's just kind of a cool guy that likes to hang out uh, like a hoodlum in the streets or whatever. But Christ is coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's not going to redeem the earth through some kind of social program. He's going to judge the earth in in righteousness. And he's going to make war. Does that square with your version of Jesus? Well, that's the biblical version of Jesus. That when he comes the second time, he's not coming to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. He's coming to destroy his enemies. All right, verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire. I tell you what. Uh, let's let's go back to Revelation one now, because some of these descriptions are coming uh, right out of uh, the early vision that John has of, of Jesus Christ. And James, if you would, if you would just uh, Revelation one, just read verses 12, 12 through sixteen.
1: Revelation 1, 12 to sixteen. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with the golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as, snow, as white as snow, and his eyes were as flame of fire, and his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. All right. I just
0: wanted us to get that description. Let's flip back to 19 now. Sorry to do all this flipping, but it's good exercise for you. At least you're not on a treadmill, right? It's just your fingers that are doing the walking. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Uh, They see everything. God knows not only what we do, but why we do it. Amen? Amen. And notice it says on his head wasn't one crown. How many? Many crowns. And this in the Greek is diadems. It's not Stephanus. These are royal crowns. Notice this. He's got a name written. And who knows it? No one but him. That's interesting, isn't it? He's got a name that uh, that nobody knows but him. And I'm going to show you something that's going to bless you in just a minute. I think it, it's, it's going to bless you. I shouldn't be too presumptuous, I guess. Uh, your mileage may vary. <laughs> but, um, look with me in uh, Genesis chapter 2. Now, in the ancient world, supposedly... To, to know someone's name was to have sort of a, a degree of control or uh, a claim, if you will. And uh, and God took me back to uh, to to the first book of the Bible here. You know, most of what we know about the Bible, we can figure out from Genesis. So much that we need to know. Genesis two. <clears throat> And uh, James, if you read verse 19.
1: Genesis 2, 19. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof.
0: Don't you think that would be cool, I mean, just to watch Adam, it, that, you think that might have been a long day for Adam? <laughs> kind of like, no, and Adam and Noah, there's parallels there with the animals and such. God's bringing all the animals, and, and Adam's like, okay, penguin, <laughs> uh, duck-billed platypus, <laughs> uh, blue-footed <boobie. laughs> you know, I don't know what he called them, but, uh, but anyway, Adam's naming these animals, why? Because he has authority. Because he has dominion. Now look with me in chapter 3 of Genesis. In verse 2. Notice uh, Eve is referred to as the woman. You see that? And then in verse 4. The serpent said unto the woman. Verse 6. And when the woman. Then you get to. um, Verse 20 and James you want
1: to read that and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living so she's the woman until after the fall
0: then he gives her a name because he's showing his headship or his authority there so there's something about names uh, they're given now don't go home uh, guys and call your wife woman because you'll get in a lot of hot water if you do that Woman, I told you, I'm hungry. Woman, fix me a sandwich. You'll be coming to me for counseling next week. <laughs> and I'll say, you didn't listen to me. <laughs> All right, back to Revelation. Um, there's a promise that Jesus makes uh, in Revelation 3, verse 12. James, you want to read that for us? And, and uh, is this the church at Philadelphia? I, I didn't have that in my notes, but um, yeah, this is to the church of Philadelphia.
1: Revelation three twelve: Him that overcometh, will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God. And the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of the heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my my new name. (laughs) Mm. Wow.
0: You wonder why you don't fit in in this world? Because this is not your home. God says that the name of the New Jerusalem is written. We're, We're somehow eternally linked with the New Jerusalem. That's special. And you and I, this is so intimate, you and I are so intimately linked together with Christ Jesus that he has, we have his new name written uh, on us in, in some way, in some fashion. And that's why Satan counterfeits with the mark of the beast. Okay. So that was name number two, the unknown name. Let's go back to Revelation 19. He's clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, says in verse 13. Now, some uh, some uh, preachers say that this is his own blood. And that very well may be true. But I'm going to make a case in just a minute that it's not his blood. That it's the blood of his enemies. But we get to his third name, which is what? The Word of God. The Word of God. All right, Um uh, this, is, this should be familiar to us. James, you
1: want to read these from the Gospel of John and 1 John? John one, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 1 John 1.1 That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the Word of
0: life. So that tells us two things. Number one, we know that John is the same one who wrote Revelation, right? Because he wrote these other two. But also, that the same Jesus we find in the Gospels, the one who died and rose again, that's the one on the white horse that's coming to judge the earth. Now he's got eyes as a flame of fire. Now he's not wearing a crown of thorns. He's wearing many crowns, many diadems. Verse 14, Revelation 19 it says that there's armies which are in heaven following him on white horses. Wow. See, this is interesting to me. You say, well, is it really a literal white horse or is it just symbolic? Well, I don't know. But usually, uh, I try. if I'm going to err, I usually try to err on the side of being literal. Let me ask you this. When Zechariah predicted that Jesus Christ would ride in on a donkey, was that a symbolic donkey or was it a real donkey? It was real. You said, well... um so I'm, I would be inclined to believe it's a real white horse. Remember when Elijah went to heaven? He was called up to heaven in a whirlwind. And Elisha said, the chariots of God. He saw the horses of fire. That's amazing. And we uh, have got white horses too. Wow. You say, well, how do I know that that's talking about the church? And it's not talking about angels there. We well, notice in verse 14, notice what they're wearing. What are they wearing? White and clean, Right? So now uh, go back, just back up, and the Bible gives its own answers. Look in verses 7 and 8. James, did you read that? Revelation 19, 7
1: and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints.
0: There you go. That's us. Now, how different is this from the earthly armies? In an, in an earthly army, what do they usually do? Who's usually the first in the battle? The expendables, right? But in this battle, who's out front? Lord Jesus Christ, and we're following him. Now, his robe is stained in blood. Our robes are white. We're not. We're we're only spectators in this battle, folks. We're we're not participants. Let that sink into you. <laughs> we're not coming back to fight with Jesus. I think sometimes we get this idea we're coming back with swords and we're gonna, but, no, we're coming back as spectators. We're just gonna be cheering him on. Jesus Christ is the one who's doing all the work and it's, it is his blood that allows us to wear the white robes, amen? <laughs> oh, yes, it's his blood. Okay. At this point, and I won't be long, famous last words, <laughs> nobody laughs except Brother Ronnie. He's like, yeah, we know, we've been here. We know how this story ends. Differences between the rapture and the second coming. This is not the rapture. This is the second coming. At the rapture, translation of all believers. At the second coming, there's no translation. Notice nobody's being called up to heaven. Instead, we're going down, right? Number two, saints are taken to heaven in the rapture. Number At uh, the second coming, the saints are coming to the earth. Number three, at the rapture, the earth is not judged. However, the earth is judged uh, at the second coming. Number four, the rapture is imminent. It's a signless event. I'm not looking for anything to happen except the sound of the trumpet. That's all we're waiting on. However, the second coming, there's all kinds of signs, aren't they? Number five, the rapture is not predicted in the Old Testament. You can't find it. That's why Paul said it's a mystery in 1 Corinthians. The second coming, all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, believers only in the rapture. Sorry. Members only. Believers only in the rapture. However, the second coming is going to affect everybody. No, no respecter of persons. Um... Number seven, the rapture comes before the day of the wrath. The second coming concludes the day of the wrath. It's all over, right? The seven bold judgments have already uh, taken place. Let's keep going. At the rapture, there's no reference to Satan. But at the end of the tribulation period, Satan's bound. Uh, At the rapture, Jesus comes for his own. At the second coming, he comes... With his own. He comes in the air at the rapture. And at the second coming, where does he come? He comes back to the earth. At the rapture, he claims his bride. At the second coming, he comes with his bride. At the rapture, only uh, believers see him. At the second coming, every eye will see him. Tribulation begins after the rapture. What happens after the second coming? The kingdom. Amen? All right. So let's go back to uh, Revelation 19. And it says in verse 15 uh, that out of his mouth goes a sharp two edged sword, that with it he should do what? Smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God Almighty. That's an important phrase there. He's treading the winepress. This is a fulfillment of Psalm 2, great messianic psalm.
1: James, would you read Psalm 2, uh, 9 through 11 there? Psalm 2, 9 through 11. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them into pieces like a potter's vessel that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven oh excuse me i'm sorry
0: that's my bad i said uh, psalm uh, i said psalm but i mixed
1: a philippian in there didn't i yes yeah, sir uh, <laughs> philippians 2:10 that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is lord to the glory of God the father Amen.
0: That brings us to uh, the fourth title for Christ. In verse 16, it says, He has on His vesture and on His thigh a name written. And what is that name? And the Lord of Lords. One day, every knee is going to bow to Him. Every ruler. Man, I look forward to seeing that. The United Nations. The United Nothing, I call them. We come down and bow down to the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. It's happening. It's coming. It's coming to a city near you. All right. That's his fourth title. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. All right. Let's talk a little bit about this vesture that's dipped in blood now. Let me tell you why I think That this is not his own blood. Um, Look with me in Isaiah 63. Isaiah 63. I'll give you a minute to turn there. Now if you, if we just read where it says that Christ is treading the winepress of the wrath of God. Now, I've got it up here on the board, too, but I just wanted you to look up Isaiah 63 just to give you some practice going there anyway. James, would you read verses 1 through 4? Isaiah 63,
1: 1 through 4. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? Mm -hmm. This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thy apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? Yes. I have trodden the wine press alone, and of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in my anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments. And I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is mine heart. And the year of my redeemed has come.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is the fulfillment of Isaiah 63. Christ is trotting, he's trotting the winepress of the wrath of God. And the blood of his enemies is staining his raiment. Notice he says I did it alone. We're following him. But we're not treading out the winepress of the wrath of God. Jesus Christ is. All right, let's go back to uh, Revelation 19. Verse 17 says, I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. Now there's two suppers in this chapter. The first one we read about was the marriage supper of the Lamb. You want to be there. (laughs) The great supper of God, you don't want to take part in this. Now, I'm thankful that Brother Brack over here, he taught me the difference between dinner and supper. He schooled me on it. And, and I was in doubt about it. And he said, well, if you need biblical proof, he said, look in the Bible, it doesn't say the Lord's dinner, does it? It says the Lord's Supper. The marriage supper of the Lamb is a joyous event, and you want to be a part of that. The great supper of God, you don't want to be there. At one, the marriage supper of the Lamb, you're going to be uh, a VIP. The great supper of God, you'd be the main course. Major difference there. And I think that's how we understand Matthew 24, um, verses 27 and 28. James, you want to read that?
1: For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. There you go.
0: At the end of the tribulation period. Now, I, I quoted from the NASB because I think the King James says eagle, but it's uh, I think vulture is probably a better translation there. Even though I love good old King Jimmy and, and the King James version, but I think that captures it probably a little better. Okay, now look in verse eighteen of Revelation nineteen that you may eat the flesh. Notice the repetition of the word flesh. Kings, captains, mighty men. Horses, them that sit on them, all men, both free and bond. Notice there's going to be slaves uh, during this time period. You know, folks love to protest stuff, especially young people these days. You know where most slavery takes place in the world? In these Islamic countries. I saw a group carrying a banner just a few days ago, Queers for Palestine. And I thought... This would be like chickens holding up a banner for KFC. If they really knew what Islam... Believed, y'all like that, didn't you? If they really knew how Islam felt about homosexuals, they, they want to kill them. And you got these idiots marching around and don't know what they're protesting about. You know where slavery exists alive and well in these Muslim countries... The rights of women are next to nothing over there. They're oppressive, and they are—they're uh, enslaving their people. Don't you buy into that garbage by the liberal media? Most of you don't, anyway, right? You're too smart for that. But the small and the great, the vultures are going to take no prisoners. There are going to be no respecter of persons. That brings us to verse 19. God's great enemies on the earth. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And this, of course, is the fulfillment of Psalm 2. James, I mixed you up earlier, but
1: this is Psalm 2, 1 through 3, if you'll read that for us. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds into pieces and cast away their cords from us. It's amazing, isn't
0: it, that these people are so deranged they think they can fight against God. Uh, But that's that's what happens. That's how demons deceive people. Now notice in verse 20, it says that the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. That's amazing. And uh, I was reading Donald Barnhouse. And he told me something, uh, he didn't tell me, he's a deceased, but in his book he told me something, that in the Old Testament there were two people who went to heaven without dying. Does anybody know who they are? Enoch and Elijah. And in the New Testament there's two people that go to the lake of fire alive, and that is the beast and the false prophet. And notice there's not a battle uh, with these guys. Christ is going to destroy him with a sword of his mouth. James, you want to read this from Isaiah 11? It's talking about the Messiah. Uh, Isaiah 11, 4.
1: But with the righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Yeah. This is the fulfillment of that. One more from Second Thessalonians two. You read that. Second Thessalonians two eight. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of His mouth and destroy with the brightness of His coming.
0: No battle, just a word. The same word that created the heavens and the earth will also destroy His enemies. He's all-powerful. We get to the last verse of Revelation 19. It says that the remnant were slain with the sword of him who sat upon the horse which proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. That's how this ends for the ungodly. Um, So where does that leave us, folks? What side are you going to be on? This is how it's all going to go down in history. Jesus Christ has shed his blood for you and for me. He died on the cross that we might be saved. He wore the crown of thorns. He He bore the humiliation. He bore the shame. He paid the penalty. He paid the price for every sin in this room. Not just the ones you did yesterday or 10 years ago or 50 years ago. The ones you did today and the ones you'll do tomorrow, Christ paid for all of those on the cross. And at this point in time, all you have to do is repent, believe the gospel, and accept what Christ has done for you. I mean, it'll never be any easier than that, guys. And Christ is pleading with you, He wants you to be saved. You say, well, does God God want me to go to heaven? Well, He went to great lengths to make sure that you do. He's putting every roadblock in your way to keep you from going to hell. He wants you to be saved. The Bible says if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with our heart, we confess Him with our mouth, we'll be saved. The Bible says whosoever, that's anybody in this room, anybody that's listening to this broadcast, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's no exceptions. Would you stand? The other side of that coin though is that for those that reject the free offer of salvation there is no other alternative for you than hell and the lake of fire. And as we're going to see next week we're going to look a thousand years into the future and guess what? The beast and the false prophet will still be in the lake of fire and they'll still be alive in torment. And it's no laughing matter. You and I can escape the judgment to come if we will trust Christ now. The window of opportunity is closing. I thought about talking about Hamas and what's going on in the world. You need to understand that things are shaping up prophetically just like this book promised that they would. I'm not setting dates. I'm not trying to read things into the newspaper, but I'm telling you, things are aligning. Russia, Iran, all of this is foretold in the prophets. You and I don't have to be afraid, though, because God's in control. Okay. And I may take Wednesday night and just talk about our perspective on this thing. Hamas is evil. They're, they're satanic. There's no moral equivalence. Okay. You need to understand that. We need to be on the right side of the ledger where God is concerned. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come today just as you are and He will write your name down in the Lamb's Book of Life and you can spend eternity With him and come riding back with him on a white horse.